If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a reoccurring or one-time donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate Now button. Donations made to Mayflower's Radio Fund are tax-deductible and go toward keeping this podcast available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City by the Reverend Lori Walkie, Associate Minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe that religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Walkie. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verses 15 through 20. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways and observing his commandments, decrees and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him, for that means life to you and length of days so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give your ancestors to Abraham to Isaac, and to Jacob. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Let us begin by noting that the text we read comes from the very end of Moses' last sermon to the people of Israel. It's basically 30 chapters of speech significantly longer than most Sunday sermons. You're welcome. (laughs) Considering Moses was a man who once described himself as being slow of speech and slow of tongue, he seems to have gotten over it and is leaning all the way into the role of orator and preacher. The Israelites are about to enter the promised land, although because of some prior entanglements, Moses will not be going with them. He does, however, spend time reminding them of what they have already been through. Slavery in Egypt, crossing the Red Sea, and then 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. It wasn't supposed to be 40 years originally, of course. Um, Moses never did stop for directions. It may have been a gender issue. The Bible doesn't say. I mean, the Bible also doesn't say it wasn't a gender issue. Anyway, I had to tell that, right? I had to say that joke. You're welcome. Anyway, they did indeed finally make it to the edge of the promised land. And as the story goes, we overhear some of Moses' last words of wisdom. 
By the time we get to this point, he does not use metaphors, nuance, or subtlety. He lays out directly two ways between which Israel must decide, life and prosperity, death and adversity. It's kind of interesting, though, that this is the last thing he wants them to consider because it seems like they had finally made it. Hello, the promised land. No more dumping rocks out of their shoes or dreaming of a few ice cubes in their drink. No more putting up the tent, taking down the tent, putting up the tent, taking down the tent. They were actually about to trade sand dunes for easy street. Shouldn't he be congratulating them? Nah. Moses knows they are just getting started as the Israelites put down roots and start construction on more permanent buildings and establishing rhythms of life, they will need how to decide how to organize themselves. And Moses has some recommendations. That's the whole 30 chapters of speech. In chapter 15, he talks about canceling the debts of the poor, what we might think of as student loan debt relief, or in chapter 16, pushing, pushing government to guard against excessive wealth, which might sound to us like a wealth tax. Or in chapter 19, protecting human dignity, which is much like today's efforts to end conversion therapy. Or in chapter 24, he advises them to pay employees fairly and leave part of the harvest for those who need it which is otherwise known to us as paying a living wage and restoring the earned income tax credit. This is how the Israelites should organize how they should live in community. In this sermon, Moses also recaps the Ten Commandments, what can be understood as deeply personal decisions about how to organize oneself, to live honestly, faithfully, with integrity, to let God be God, to tell the truth and keep Sabbath, to not cheat or steal, to respect and honor your elders and your neighbors. These are the decisions the people will have to make as they settle in the land. And Moses must have anticipated that it would be a little tricky. I mean, the Israelites do not come to this moment fresh. They do not come to this moment well-rested. They do not come to this moment with all of their family systems resolved. They come to this moment with no idea what is on the other side of the tree line or what's over the ridge. They come to this moment with calloused feet and worn bodies. They are hungry and thirsty and at this point, they are really tired of listening. After 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, sitting through 30 chapters of a sermon must have felt like the last 20 minutes on the turnpike coming home from Tulsa. It just won't end. <laughs> Fortunately for us, we enter the story just as Moses is wrapping it up and he uses that rhetorical device of summarizing all those nitty gritty details he laid out earlier. Paraphrased, he says, listen to what I have said today. I have laid out for you life and death, good and evil. 
So love God, walk in God's ways, keep the commandments so that you will live, truly live, passionately and joyfully. If you refuse to listen, if you serve little gods, you will die. It is your choice, life or death, blessings or curses. Choose life. There is, I think, an impulse to read this as if Moses thought that this would be simple or easy, that choices are just black and white and you just do the right thing, people. But I'm not sure about that interpretation. Moses knew firsthand that choosing life is not always simple and not always easy. This is, after all, why he was not entering the promised land. I have a hunch that Moses got on his preacher soapbox for 30 chapters because he knew exactly how difficult the road ahead would be. This is why he gets particular with politics and with the personal. Choosing life has to do with administering justice and fairness, honoring parents, respecting neighbors, leading the people, and considering how one treats the stranger. The good life does not just happen. It has to do with making a thousand smaller decisions to choose life. I generally do not advocate pulling a single verse or half a verse and turning it into a mission or a vision statement, but this phrase is one that feels like an invitation, a really important invitation. Choose life. It is the meta-narrative of the entire Bible. Choose life. Jesus picks up this sermon in the Gospel of John. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Choose life. So whatever is about to happen, as, as much as you are able, choose life. Whatever tough decisions confront you, choose life. Whatever is in your past, whatever mistakes, whatever regrets, whatever circumstances, you can still choose life. To do so, particularly in times of grief or depression or monotony or loneliness, to cling to these words is an act of faith. To choose life is a decision of faith. Choose life even when you haven't chosen the path, when you didn't ask for or you weren't looking for the divorce, when you are holding out for an apology, when your body fails, when you feel abandoned, when you have been in the wilderness so long you can't even remember which direction you're supposed to be headed, when plan A didn't work, when plan B failed, when there is no plan C, healed or hurting, miraculous or ordinary, full or empty, overwhelmed or underwhelmed, certain or uncertain, as much as you are able, choose life. The other option, while seldom put so bluntly, is, as the text says, to choose death. It is to choose avoidance, numbing, bitterness, hiding, denial, anger. It is to choose cynicism. 
It is to deny the transformational power of love and believe that nothing will ever change. It is to opt for self-absorption and stubbornness and suspicion. It is to reject help, to pull the curtains shut and refuse to answer the door no matter who is standing on the front porch. And to be fair, perhaps we just want a nap. Perhaps we are like the Israelites at the edge of the promised land, but we have journeyed an incredibly long way and we just like to check out for a bit because, well, our family systems are still not resolved and we are thinking about all the wrong turns we've made. Our feet are calloused and our bodies are worn and we are tired and there is uncertainty about what's next or what's right. But we know from the text that choosing life does not come all at once as if we can just flip a switch. It does not mean instant healing or immediate repair or simply changing our address to easy street and that's it. That's not how it works. For as the text says, today I set before you life and prosperity death and adversity today, right now. There are few times when we can make a call that fixes the past or secures the future for all time. This is about today. Choose life today as much as you are able in the midst of grief or trouble or anxiety or just plain ordinary. Choose life on this day, in this moment, with the options we have in front of us, choose life for our community, for ourselves. So if you've never done advocacy work or justice work, start today, show up, go with a friend, grab a petition clipboard and ask people for signatures. There are laws to be rewritten, policies to shape, hearts to change choose life for our community today. As much as you are able, choose the life God would choose for you, unashamed, just, merciful, loving, generous, nourishing, peaceful. Choose life and move towards it in any way you can. That means taking the anxiety or the depression medication as if it were the bread of holy communion. That means treating your body like a friend in need of care. It means turning on the kettle for a cup of tea or drinking a glass of water instead of another pot of coffee or something stronger. It means keeping the appointment with your therapist making dinner plans, reading a book, taking a walk, keeping Sabbath, or just sitting in stillness. It is to ask for help. Choose life. It means being open to the possibilities of joy, to become reacquainted with your body, reacquainted with your mind, reacquainted with your spirit, to get to know your neighbor. It is to choose love, knowing that there is nothing more risky, but nothing more powerful. 
It is to find the silver lining, to celebrate the small victories, to give yourself and the people around you the benefit of the doubt. As much as you are able, choose life. Today, one decision at a time, one moment at a time. Some of these are harder than others. A few of us will have to limp towards life. We will likely to have to find a park bench or a pew to sit on for a spell. But at least we're in good company. And of course, we can rest in the abiding presence of love, always present, always available to us. In your bulletin, you will find a slip of paper. If there's not one in your bulletin, there are several on the table here at the front. These are for you to take right now and write on them whatever it is you face today, the illness, the diagnosis, the relationship, the decision, the grief, the weariness, the uncertainty, the apathy, the brokenness, whatever the struggle that has you in a holding pattern. Maybe it is a word or a phrase or an entire paragraph, but write it down, put it there. In just a moment, you will be invited forward to bring it here and leave it on the table in the bowls. Leave it there, but then before you go, take with you a nudge towards life. On the table, you will find blue slips of paper with a reminder to choose life today, right now. Tuck it into your wallet, tape it to the bathroom mirror, use it as a bookmark, but whatever you do, it is your guide. When nothing seems easy, when there are no perfect options, when you wonder if it's okay to start or you are waiting for permission to take the first step, it will be your reminder to choose life in this moment today. Choose life. If you would like a hug or a prayer or a hand to hold, I'll be standing just to the side here. So now take a few minutes to write down what you want help carrying and then bring it forward or come forward and write it at the table. As much as you are able, choose life. Come for all is ready. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Waukee, Associate Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. with adult education classes at 10 a.m. Mayflower also has a full church school for children of all ages available during the 11 a.m. service. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.